All right. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Opinion City Podcast, a professional wrestling podcast where we debate the hottest topics of the past, present, future, and beyond. I'm your host. My name is Ralph Feinmarch. He's my co-host and my tag team partner. Once again, his name is Parma Sean Russell. Uh, we love our listeners and we love to hear your opinions. So please uh, hit us up at opinioncitypod at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, you can follow us at Opinion City Pod on all the socials. You can find me at Parma Chisel. You can find Ralph here at RealRalph316. If you like what you're hearing, like, rate, and review our show. Let us know your opinions because we love to hear from you. On this episode, we're going to run down the AEW card for All In. So far, still have one week left. There could be more surprises in store for us. And in our featured topic, we give our takes on top five surprise debuts in wrestling history. Ralph, you mentioned this earlier. Has your rating for the show All In changed from last week to this week? Uh, I think it has. Uh, I wasn't like, we've talked about this. I wasn't super excited about the card um up until up until recently but uh the more i the more i think about it the more i uh see AEW the more i look at what's planned um i'm i'm slowly getting more and and more excited for it i think by the time we hit next sunday uh i'm going to be really psyched for it i think my problem and and i was thinking about this um this week trying to figure out you know maybe why i wasn't as excited as I'd normally be. And I think my problem with it, and again, this is just, this is just me. This isn't, um, you know, anybody else, this isn't indicative of anything, you know, that anybody has said or whatever, but you know, this is supposed to be the biggest wrestling show in the history of wrestling. So, um, knowing that if we look at other big shows, the only thing we can really sort of compare it to is WrestleMania. But when you look at WrestleMania, the road to WrestleMania starts in January. And yeah. so we have this huge buildup between January and April, um, pretty much almost immediately after the Royal Rumble, we find out exactly what uh, champion is going to be challenged for the title by the Royal Rumble winner. Yeah. Um, so we, we have a huge buildup for it. And... We have not seen that with AEW. Now, we've known for some time that, uh, you know, uh, All In is coming. And even if we look at it like they have other shows that they need to promote and they have other things that they need to do. Well, WWE's got other things between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. So I think for me what it is is that there was such a lack of buildup for the event itself uh as far as matches go storylines go um yeah we're, we're getting we're getting some storylines that involve some people that you know may have had stories previous to this but we're not we haven't really gotten any like specific build-up for the specific match um at, at all in with with the exception of you know mjf and adam cole and yeah. Even though that's our main event, I still, I, I still have a problem with them having the tag match on Zero Hour. I know that it's probably going to have something to do with a storyline, uh, probably something to do with Roderick Strong. I would think. Of however, course. well, sure, but however, I, I still don't, I still don't like it. I still don't think it's the right thing to do. Um, so 
there there is some disconnect there as far as my getting excited for it. And something else occurred to me last night, and I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Right. So in watching uh in watching Collision, as we see them run down uh, you know, the the card for all in, they immediately start talking about the card for all out. And now we've got some like, you know, we're, we're supposed to be like, I'm just going to use this for an example. So we're supposed to be focused on uh, Sting and Darby Allen against AR Fox and Swerve in this coffin match. But what did we see on collision? We saw Darby Allen against Christian Cage, which is really the storyline leading up to all out, not all in. And I understand yeah. like that we get the we get the like, oh, Sting and Darby Allen went and attacked you know, attacked him on the indies and all this stuff. Like they, you know, they, they gave him the warning and then they went and attacked him. I, I get all of that. And that's, that's good and well, but like your main event of collision, uh, you know, a week before the show is building a storyline for all out, which is the show the following week. I think that's a problem for them that they have all in and all out a week apart from each other. Uh, yeah. simply, Again, simply because not that I have a problem with them having two shows or I have a problem with them having, you know, multiple angles, all this stuff, whatever, that's fine. I get it. I just feel like that's all a part of what is causing my sort of initial disconnect into, um, you know, the, the pay-per-view itself and my level of excitement towards it. I think that's those things have a lot to do with it. Yeah, I'm super excited for... Um, I think all in more than all out, um, obviously, because it's like it's not just a big event for AEW, but it's a big event for wrestling in general. It's just a monumental task to not only beat a mania record, but do it with only four years in the business like AEW. They've already smashed a record for, I think, WrestleMania 32 with 80,848 mm -hmm. uh, seats sold. Um and they're only four years in. They're brand new, basically. And this is their first big, like, big show. So I'm not as upset that they didn't have as much of a build-up, only because I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, right? Like, again, they're, they're only four years old. This is, I think, Tony's first big foray into the world of, like, stadium shows for wrestling. You know, he did it more for football for a while, but this is for wrestling. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm going in there with a shred, like, a going to give them the, the benefit of the doubt because the matches that they have built so far look stacked you know just looking at the card right here and there still be could be more matches to come within the next wednesday and saturday so it's going to be a long show regardless i'm going to guess probably a four and a half hour five hour show at the most um especially for it being in all in now do you think there's going to be any surprises for all in obviously other than the mystery partners for bcc i mean like surprise debuts returns there's been speculation that Edge may appear at All In in London now that his contract is over with it. WWE. Okay, so as far as Edge is concerned, I read earlier today that uh, his contract actually doesn't run out until September. Right. So I don't think we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna see him. Uh, I would be very surprised if we see him. Um, I would think that we have more of a chance to see him uh at all out honestly um, yeah that, just yeah 
just because I feel like if they're going to bring him into AEW, they're going to have to bring him into AEW somehow with an angle with Christian. And I feel well, like that's the whole point. The whole point in my mind is that, you know, Edge has always said that he wants his final match to be against Christian, right? And instead we get Sheamus, which is still a great match. And it was a great match, great story. Right, um, right. They hugged, they embraced. I watched afterwards. They showed Edge's promo, which was just heartfelt and awesome. Sure. But he's always, he said in many interviews that he wanted to have Christian Cage be his last match. Mm-hmm. So if they can work out a way where he just signs like the, like a two match deal where he does Christian and then, then, then that's his swan song and that's it. I'd be happy with that. Even if it's for like a two match deal where they have one match to build it up and then the match with Christian at one of the big four. Um, so here's, here's a thought and let me throw this out to you. Cause this is, this is something, and this is not something I thought about before. This is just something I thought of now. So what if, and again, um, with the whole edge thing and his contract, you know, maybe not necessarily being up or whatever the, whatever the situation may be, what if there was an exchange, uh, between WWE and AEW? So WWE lets Edge go to AEW and have his last match against Christian. AEW allows Dustin Rhodes to come to WWE and be the final step for Cody Rhodes before he gets to Roman Reigns. Ooh, see that? That I think would be like the smartest move. I don't see them working together like as a unit, but I can see them maybe working together for a better cause, similar to how uh, Tony let regal go to wwe that way he can be with his son and do mm-hmm. that because as much as regal go gave him flack for i guess the way he was um perceived on AEW, he did give him praise for allowing him to be released from his contract go to wwe and live out his contract there that way he can train his son and go to nxt and do that as a producer I think if they do more of things like that where they can kind of have a little trade-off, that would be, I think that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, that's that's totally a possibility. Uh, I mean, WWE has been known to work with other organizations before. They've been known to work with Impact. They've been known to work with uh, New Japan. They sent uh, Shinsuke Nakamura over there. So yeah. there is precedent for it, especially in the current era of wrestling. And I feel like there's a real possibility that maybe now that they're owned by Endeavor, they could be more willing to work with other organizations. So who knows? Um, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a possibility. Um, let me ask you this, cause this is something that I've been thinking about as far as all in goes. Um, now, I mean, there's two things really and and they kind of relate to each other so first off um do we think that do you think that um that this is a sort of make or break show for aew i mean if this show goes off and does not go well is is this gonna be like a disaster as far as aew goes I don't know if it's make or break per se. I mean, yes, this is their first big stadium show in their four years of existence. But I feel like just by looking at the card so far, even though they 
give it such short time to build, the matches that they have put on are all pretty exciting, to say the least. Um, like the coffin match, you know, all pretty much every belt is on the line, except for one, which we will talk about and just to be sure later on. Um, but, you know, you have all the belts on the line. You have all these nice trios matches and tag matches to give as much people as possible. You have the chance for mystery partners, like with the BCC. So you have chance for surprises. I don't know. I feel like if it doesn't go like super well, they can just like move on and go from there. But if it goes really well, then they have something to say that, hey, we did this. We mm-hmm. created this show in Wembley in like your guys' home te- like home turf, like and we succeeded. I mean, they already have succeeded by selling out the number of seats that they have. That itself, it's 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 gonna be one of the largest gates they've ever made. And they barely announced any matches up until that point. So that itself, I think, is a win. Um, but I don't think it's a make or break situation. I think they'll still be able to move on. I mean, if you want them to talk about that, what look what happened to the uh exploding barbed wire death match. I mean, that thing ended with a fizzle, but they still survived from it and learned from it and moved on. Mm-hmm. You know. Like the whole match was great, but the ending where, they, where it was supposed to explode was kind of turned into a sizzle, not really a pyro. Yeah. So, and it was hurtful. Obviously, I think it did, you know, make them kind of a laughing stuff for a second, but they bounced back and now they're still rolling. So, I don't know. We'll have to see as it plays out. Okay. Um, so, so, so that's wanna... question. Okay. Yeah. Question... yeah well, that's question ahead. one. So, question two Do you feel that. Uh, because this is such a big show and because this is such a big thing that they've done, do you feel like, and, and this kind of goes along with uh, talking about like the AEW faithful, is this something that they are going to like no matter what, even if the card turns out bad, even if some of the matches aren't great, even if they pull an ending with MJF and Adam Cole that nobody likes. Cause that is a possibility. Oh, I mean, they really, course. I mean, they, they really could pull something crazy at the end of that match that people are just scratching their head. Like, why did they do that? But do you think even if this show is somehow not good or does not live up to the giant expectations that the AEW faithful are going to love it no matter what? I think the IWC in general is going to think what they want to think, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. I'm just happy there's wrestling, and we live in a world where this kind of stadium show can happen that's not WWE. So I'm one of those people that, that I don't care what side you're on. I don't care if you're Team WWE, Team AEW, Team ROH, Team Impact. Just I'm just Team Wrestling, mm-hmm. period. End of story. So the fact that we got to this point where we have a secondary promotion that is pulling off this huge sort of event. Um, I'm just happy to be here to see it live. Yeah, I agree. So oh. let's run down the card from don't from the bottom. Yeah, uh, which is the zero hour sh- show. We only know one match so far. I think that was announced for it, and that is the Aussie Open versus MJF and Adam Cole for the ROH tag titles. Um, like you said earlier, you think there's gonna be probably some swerves to build this match up for later on on the main event card. Do you see MGF and Adam Cole winning the belts? Uh, n- no. And the only reason I don't see them winning the belts, I think, if I if I really think about this, is because 
I don't see if they do in the belts where they go from this because I don't think by the time All In is over, I don't think we have, you know, better than you, Bebe, anymore. I think this connection between MJF and Adam Cole is over one way or the other, whatever happens in the main event. So if that's the case, I don't really see where they go with the Ring of Honor tag titles. And my original thought was that if that were to happen and then, you know, they just sort of, um, whoever, whoever is left without the world title is, is, you know, left with the tag titles and, you know, kind of dumps them in a garbage can, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the Kevin Nash, Shawn Michaels situation. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I really see them, you know, I, I feel like if that's going to be the case and we're going to get to a point where like, we've got to do something like a ring of honor, uh, tag title tournament or something like that. I just, I feel like it devalues the ring of honor tag titles. And so I don't know how much they really want to do that. I don't know how much they really want to, um, you know, get into a situation where now, you know, you're looking at the tag titles as not as prestigiously as you did the day before. I don't know. I, for me personally, I can't see them. Uh, I can't see them pulling the, I can't see them pulling the trigger just because I don't see the upside. Yeah. I'm on the opposite spectrum. <laughs> which for okay. us is rare because we usually are pretty much on the same page with most things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have differed here and there, like the Jeff Hardy belt, but that's neither here nor there. Um, right, right. <laughs> but I think if they do have him win it, because I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying this unlikely duo so much. Like the backstage segments that they do is just phenomenal. Um, and I don't want them. I know it's going to end, but I don't want them to. Um, and if they do end, I want Adam Cole to be the one to turn on MJF because storyline wise, in my mind, this is MJF's first like real best friend. So I think it would be even more of a heartfelt, uh, string of the story to have Adam Cole be the one to stab him in the back because MJF is always the one that backstabs others, but to have his best friend stab him in the back, that would be probably the biggest and best swerve for that storyline because then you have MJF as this big baby face bigger than he is now. And then you have Adam Cole as the big heel and you could run it the opposite way. Cause I don't know every time MJF does this like fake, not fake face turn. I think it just shows how great he can be as both sides, heel and face. I don't buy it. I don't buy, <laughs> I don't buy MJF as a baby face whatsoever. Cause here's my thing. If if MJF is who we all know he is, and Snake. then MJF has Adam Cole turn on him, there's no way that MJF is just gonna be like, uh, boohoo, woe is me. Uh, you oh, know, of course I'm, not. I'm a, I'm a baby face. Yeah. But he's not gonna, he's not gonna be able to do baby face things. He's going to have to go back. He's, he's going to seek his revenge on Adam Cole and he's going to have, he's going to go back to all the like horrible things he did that made people hate him. So I just, I don't, I, I buy Adam Cole and MJF as baby faces together. I do not buy for a single second that, uh, MJF could be a baby face on his own, even with a great heel, Adam Cole. 
I just, I, I don't see it. I don't buy it. For me, I don't think it would be believable, but stranger things have happened. Who knows what could happen, <laughs> you know, where it could go from here. But for me, I just don't buy it. All right. We'll have to wait and see next week yeah. as it comes to light. But let's move on. I have on the list here, they just made it official this past Saturday, CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. Um, I wasn't sure at first because they didn't officially announce it yet, but this past Saturday that they did, CM Punk accepted it in the most CM Punk of ways. Um, <laughs> came out with the mask as the, what was it, the golden vampire or whatever golden, it was. The golden vampire. Golden yep. vampire. He uh, GTS's Joe, says, I accept, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I, I am excited for this match. Um, I hope that they just... T- do 110% and just work each other like they've always have because they're 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 a duo that knows each other so well and their match could be just an epic of their other epics that they've had so far. Mm-hmm. As far as winners, I'm on the fence. I'm I, and this is one of those matches where I really don't care who wins or who loses. I just want to see a good match between Joe and Punk. Yeah, I I think I I mean I mostly agree with that because I just I mean to me to me, it doesn't matter who wins. Like, I don't, I don't get like, okay. So I understand the whole concept behind the, uh, I understand the whole concept behind the real world championship. And I get all of that. But for me, my, my money moving forward would have been some kind of title unification. Cause I feel like what they're doing with this is that, uh, there. This is this is kind of their way of doing the uh, universal title and the heavyweight title. In a, I, in I, a sense, I feel like this is this real world championship is going to end up being, you know, the the title that's defended, you know, exclusively either on, on Collision or you know with storylines built on Collision, and then the the actual AEW uh, heavyweight title will be the belt that's defended Wednesdays or through. And, and I get that. I understand that. Um, my only concern in all of this, and again, I'm with you. I don't really care who wins. Um, I, I don't really have a prediction cause I don't seem to see how either one of them winning over the other is really going to matter in the long run. I don't think yeah. it's going to, I don't think it's going to make or break or build careers. It's not going to move any storylines forward. Cause I feel like no matter what happens here, that this is probably going to be the end of Punk and Joe for a while if we ever revisit it. But my thing is, what is this doing to the Ring of Honor television title? Because Joe's just walking around with this Ring of Honor television title on AEW all the time, and it's like, it's like, why well, even have it? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, he I, defends it regularly on ROH TV, and he's been winning it. I think having it on him. In AEW, he gives the belt itself more TV time because I think, unfortunately, not everybody still has Honor Club. And if they do, awesome. You should get it because um, I've been thinking about getting it myself to be a watch Ring of Honor because I love, again, all wrestling. Um, but I think by giving it more TV time nationally, people could go, could go watch ROH and say, hmm, let me see what he's doing over in Ring of Honor with the belt. And he, and he, and he, and he, and he defends it like almost constantly. So, yeah, I, I get that, but let me, let me just throw this out there. Cause this is, 
this is something I think is very similar. So honestly, in your opinion, how many people do you think see Tyrus on Fox News with the NWA heavyweight title and then go search out NWA to watch it? My guess would be not many. I mean, you never know. I mean, NWA right now is in this weird state where I think ever since Nick Aldis left them, they're kind of just kind of lost in the shuffle. And that whole thing was just kind of a chaotic mess when that happened. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if they can possibly make it back because I've been following NWA here and there when I can because I, cause I mm-hmm. do like the old school mindset of it. They're in the old studio. I love the old studio set where they do the promos. I just love that that like nostalgic feel of NWA. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, they kind of they just seem lost right now. They they need to bounce back and refine the way a little bit. But once they do, I think they'll be okay. But back but, back to back to my original point. I don't I don't think many people see Tyrus on there and say, "Oh, well, I've got to go check out NWA." Well, just yeah. like I, I don't think a lot of people see uh, Samoa Joe on AEW television and think, Oh, I've got to go check out ring of honor. Cause if I'm, if I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking to myself, well, he's carrying that belt around. Do I really need to pay to see him defend that belt? I can just watch him wrestle for free on AEW and whether the belt's on the line or not, I can just watch him for free. So, but I think this is epidemic of ring of honor in general. I feel like we see too many ring of honor guys on AEW. Listen, if you want to make Ring of Honor special and you really want people to, you know, uh shell out for Honor Club to be able to watch it, like I get promoting Ring of Honor through AEW television. It's a smart move, but like, you know, I'm watching so we have the Ring of Honor television champion who's on AEW. You've got the Ring of Honor, you know, world champion in Claudio who's in Blackpool Combat Club. We've seen, uh, you know, Aussie Open on there. Like, to me, it's like, why do I need to watch Ring of Honor? Because I can just watch AEW and still see, like, the guys I know and the guys I like. Yeah. So I think they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit there. Um, If you really want to make, if you really want to make Ring of Honor and AEW separate companies and, you know, make them separate shows and all this stuff you really need to make it separate you need to have yeah. uh you need to have you know the, the rosters really be separate so yeah. um but again back to all in i i don't think it matters i don't think it matters who <laughs> wins i i think it's as long as it's a good match i think everybody's gonna be happy with it yeah and i think in my eyes as long as this does lead to like you said a unification match where we do run back cm punk versus mjf i will be a very happy man because the first run of their feud was just all sorts of amazing. So I, I would love to see them yeah. run that back, have them see who the real champion is, and then do it one more time. And whoever wins it is the champion. It goes back to one belt, and we call it a day. Moving on. So, so wait. So, so, if that, so if Adam Cole wins, do you want to see a CM Punk Adam Cole feud? I mean, I think, think I, do you think that would be as good as CM Punk MJF? I think it would be because it would be cool to see them. Because I don't, I don't remember when. Last time they even had a feud was because I don't think when they were in they when they were both in WWE, Adam Cole didn't come to way later after Steam Punk was had already been gone for a few years. So yeah. they never had a chance other than maybe in ROH back in the day to really run it back. So that'd be I think right. that would be cool. But in my eyes, the money itself, which makes me sound bad because Adam Cole was amazing in, in its own right, would be on CM Punk versus MJF 
two or three. I, I, I think I think it would be three. I think they already had two matches. This would be the third mm-hmm. one in the in the series. Um, so I think both would be great. But I think running back CM Punk versus MJF for all the marbles, see who the real best in the world is for me is where the money's at. Yeah. All right. So, so as you said, the, moving on. <laughs> the match Finally. that hasn't been announced yet, but probably will be within the, the next week, is uh, House of Black versus the acclaimed and Daddy Ass, the returning Daddy Ass, because he teased a retirement on Rampage not too long not no on sorry not Rampage on Saturday Collision not too long ago he put his boots up teased his retirement and ever since then the story has been that the claims are trying to get him back and now with House of Black always beating them up I think they're leaning towards a um, trios championship match between those three and the acclaimed and daddy ass which again I would love to see how that plays out I'm assuming they'll get an answer by Saturday next week before the show starts because I think they were going to tease this whole retirement until the very last minute where he decides, no, I have to save my friends. Or it could be a surprise partner and, and we may not even see him. Who knows? But I just love the House of Black. I love their whole aesthetic with the House of Black rules matches with their belts. I love that the belts are now like grayed out like how House of Black's whole thing is grayed out. They've just been tearing it up with the belts. I love it. Um, I don't know who I want to see win this match because I would love for House of Black to retain and hold the belts for God just for as long as they can because I think Malachi Black deserves way more than he has gotten over the last few years in, in his wrestling career. But at the same time, I love the acclaimed. So I don't know. I don't know. So if this match does get announced, I think that it's going to be House of Black versus, you know, the Acclaimed and and Daddy Ass. And I think what's going to happen is the Acclaimed is going to come out and no Daddy Ass. And I think they're going to have to go at it two on three. And I think they're going to get destroyed. And I think we're going to see the acclaimed off of tv for a little while and then i think eventually we will see the acclaim show up at some point to get their revenge on the house of black and when they do the two of them will come down and they will get outnumbered by house of black as house of black seemingly uh destroys them again yet here comes billy gunn to make the save you don't think it would be during the actual big show rather nope. than a smaller I, show? I, I do not. I think that they're going to I think that this is I think that this is maybe the start of something. I think that um they're gonna let the Billy Gun thing play out for a while. Um because I, I just I feel like I feel like it's too on the nose. I don't feel uh, like yeah. I, 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 I feel like it's too on the nose. I feel like they're not really um I mean I don't think that they're doing a great job of, you know, like this whole retirement thing. Like, I think they're teasing the retirement, but at the same time, like, I think they're going too far with it where it's pretty much obvious that like, he's not going to retire. Um, Cause you know, you have like the, the vignette where they, they throw the boots in the compactor yep. and then, yep. you know, you have, uh, the acclaimed and the acclaimed and Billy Gunn are supposed to make an indie appearance together, and then Billy Gunn 
is nowhere to be found in the yeah. acclaim in the ring say oh well he's not here because he's retired he was supposed like, to be at he was supposed to be at slam fest on sunday yes that's he was and on that's, he was on the poster before yeah that's it and that's exactly so, what i'm talking about like these things just make it seem like they're they're going out of their way to make it seem like he's retired which pretty much means you know that there's no way he is retired so like i don't know um you again they pull the opposite card and one of the first big swerves you know how anybody who malachi like goes against to sort of either leave or they or they join house of black do you feel like this could be a swerve where because they have his his boots and they're teasing whatever and they and malachi whispered something in a billy gunn's ear in order to make him take off his boots and quote-unquote retire do you think they have billy gunn join the house of black and cost them the match instead because it Um, seems like in the house of black's world anybody who they like touch or face off against or feud with somebody gets the like the black touch whatever you want to call that and 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 becomes part of house of black happened with buddy happened with brody king happened with julia hart they got you know something happened with them where their ideals morphed into joining the house of black i think whatever black said to billy gunn and that we don't know about could affect his mindset going into his future that could be an interesting play off Mm. of the swerve i think that if anything because i don't think the house of black would have any use for billy gunn i don't think the house of black would want billy gunn so here's if we're gonna go that route my thought would be that um when when uh you know uh, Malachi Black whispered into Billy Gunn's ear what he was telling him was, you know, you get out of the way or we're going to take the acclaimed. So I right. think what's going to happen is if we see the match and we see all three of them show up, uh, I think at one point uh, they're going to go for the tag and Billy Gunn's just going to drop off the apron and step back and just let the two of them get destroyed and then walk away. And I think we're going to find out that Malachi Black told him, hey, uh, you know, you either step aside or, you know, we're going to we're going to make them part of House of Black. I don't know. We're we're a week away. And I'm honestly, if they're going to have that match, I'm really surprised that they haven't announced it yet. I wouldn't be surprised if that's more of an all out match. Than right. it is an all-in match. I don't know. I can't say it for sure because the match um, is already pretty stacked on the card as it is. So they could just add that to all out. We should I, have we a sh- stacked card. Well, we should find out one way or the other by Wednesday because yeah, um, they're they're taping Collision on Wednesday. Right. Yeah. Because, because Collision's not going to be live. The only thing yeah. that's going to be live is they're going to do. Uh, they're going to do interviews with guys from London. Now, whether that's live or those are going to be pre-taped as well, but right. um, you're supposed to hear from people in London. But yeah, Collision's going to be taped on Wednesday, so we should find out by Wednesday. Right. Well, we'll have to see about that in time. We will move on to the next match before we go on other tangents. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like we're known for. Um, we'll go to coffee match that like we mentioned earlier, Darby, Allen, and Sting. Versus AR Fox and Swerve Strickland. Do you think, right off the bat, do you think Sting's going to leap off of something that's just astronomically high? 
I feel like he's mm-hmm. known, I think in his AEW career, he's known for jumping off of the most ridiculous heights and just not giving a hoot about his body. I feel like in London, he has to do something big and he's in just stupid high. <laughs> I'm I'm sure I'm sure he's going to I mean, I'm sure he's going to dive off of something. I don't know if he's going to dive off of something stupid high, but he'll probably do some. There'll be some big move that he pulls. Um, and, uh, you know, he's he'll do something crazy, I'm sure, just to kind of, you know, keep up with Darby Allen. I'm sure there'll be some, you know, I'm sure there'll be some ridiculous spots in this one, although I would imagine that there probably won't be there probably won't be too many ridiculous spots only because I feel like the ridiculous spots are going to be reserved for another match. But, Oh yeah. Uh, I, I don't, you know, for me, I mean, this is one of those no brainer matches where it's like, you know, I, I don't see any, I don't see any way that Sting and Darby Allen don't win this one. I feel like, I feel like this, I feel like this feud is, I don't know. This feud doesn't do much for me, to be honest. AR Fox right. and Swerve don't do anything for me at all, really. Um, I mean, I I think they're I think they're great wrestlers, but as far as this feud goes, like, um, I don't know. I've just kind of I've kind of checked out on on this whole <laughs> feud, and part of it is like, okay, so I get the whole like Nick Wayne thing. I understand what they're doing there, but why do we have to have a match with Darby Allen and Nick Wayne against? AR Fox and Swerve next week when we're getting Darby Allen and Sting versus AR Fox and Swerve at the pay-per-view like right. you would you would think that they would want to keep Darby Allen and AR Fox and Swerve away from each other I don't know none of yeah. this none of this really jives with me none of this really makes a ton of sense for me I think it's just again to have a coffin match for coffin matches sake I think Sting and Darby Allen go over um I just I don't I don't see much out of this match except, you know, maybe a crazy spot or two. Do you think this could be Sting's last match or do you think he is still with them for the next year? Because I don't know when his contract ends, but I know that he's been teasing that this might be his last year in wrestling. Um, no, only because I feel like if Sting is going to have his last match in AEW, I think they're going to make a big deal out of that. And they have. I think done it should that. be against Darby. That would be interesting. Yeah, I would be okay with that. It, I think it would. I think it, it should. It should culminate because they've been uh, as a unit for so long. They should find a way to break them apart and build us around where Darby versus Sting. It's Sting's last match. They can even call it that if they want to. They don't have to say anything. They, they, they could just say it's Darby versus Sting and just leave it at that. Yeah. But I think it would be interesting if you. Started it with Sting and Darby Allen, but then you ended Sting with Darby Allen, and then that would be like his last yeah. storyline to contribute to wrestling before he goes off into the sunset. Yeah, I just I don't think I don't think there's any way AEW has Sting's last match without promoting the crap out of it. So I don't oh, yeah, think this will be it, but I think this will be probably the beginning of the end. Like this will be you know the road to Sting's retirement. This will be the beginning. Yeah. I mean, just his run, like the fact that he wanted to end it this his way when he was cleared, and the fact that he's been doing so many, like throwing caution to the wind moves, yeah. is just mind boggling to me. The dude can still go. He's sixty three years old. The dude's just killing it. Um, I'm a Sting stand for life. So 
you know, <laughs> go Sting. <laughs> Listen, I think I think what Sting has done is very impressive in his AEW run, just because you know of his of his age and the fact that he still goes. Um, I was at times a Sting uh, Joker fan in in Impact Wrestling. I thought that was a really interesting character. Overall, though, I've never really been a Sting fan. It's never been my thing. I get why people like Sting. I get the whole, um, you know, the 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 whole the whole aura around Sting. Um, you know, I, I get it, and I understand why people like him. He's just never been my thing. And I don't know if some of that has to do with the fact that, um, you know, Sting was never really a WWE guy. I think maybe it has something to do with the fact that like he was, you know, the, the face of WCW. Like when you think about WCW, there are a couple names that instantly come to mind and Sting is always the one. And I always thought that Sting was going to be like exclusively WCW. Like he was never going to have that WWE run. Um, So for me, maybe that's a little bit of why I'm not like a huge Sting fan, um, but it just and I I have I have no problem with anybody that's a Sting fan. Um, I get it. I understand why people like Sting. Just just not just not my guy. Um, <laughs> but he I will say his AEW run has been uh, phenomenally impressive. Uh, just the fact that he's still out there and going at his age. Uh, you know it's it's been it's been great to see. So um, I, I do I do think that. AEW promotes it heavy when the time comes, and I think he deserves that too. Oh, absolutely! I think he deserves everything and then some. The fact that again, that like you said, the fact that he's still going and his run has been just incredible. Yeah, and he's able to end it his way, how he wants to do it. So yeah, when it's it is time, I I I know they're gonna just shout to the moon about this last match. So whatever it might be, yeah. get on you. I'm with you. I think it's gonna be Darby and Sting. Uh, sorry to. AR Fox and serve they're they're great talents, but I think this goes to Darby Allen Sting. Yeah, and I agree. That's that's it for that. This one coming up. Uh, this one I have posed a question. Uh, who do you think they can pull out as mystery partners for the BCC in their match, Stadium Stampede match against Eddie Kingston, the Lucha Bros, and the best friends Orange Cassidy, Trent Beretta, and Chuck Taylor. They only they they need three more guys to complete the group, so they can have three surprise partners to pull from. Yeah, I want to hear your thoughts on who they could be. Mm. Yeah, I I really I'm I'm having a hard time with this one. Uh, you know, this is not for me. This is not usually how I think it it, it normally goes. Usually, you've got like the heels have their team and you're waiting to find out like who the baby faces are going to have as their like surprise partner. And then, you know, this huge name comes in and I just, I don't know. I'm really, um, I'm, I'm really on the fence about who they could possibly have. Uh, I've, I've thought about it and I just, I don't know what direction they were going to go in. I mean, honestly, I felt like, at one point, and, and you know, we just talked about House of Black, and I felt like at one point, if you really want to pull in, like, you know, uh, like a really good, you know, heel group of trios, 
um, you know, who are they going to get? If it's somebody in AEW, I, I don't really see who else they'd be able to get. Um, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I think it's going to have to be somebody outside of the company. I think it's oh, going to have to be probably, I don't know. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm at a loss <laughs> as to who they could. Do you have any thoughts on who they I... could get? just feel like unless they really do surprise us because this is a big show they're just going to pull from the new japan stars that they normally do and just pull like maybe ishii you know like some of the heels that have been working with them so far just have them come back and rock the london crowd because you know that london's hot for literally anybody outside of the states so no matter who it is they're going to get the biggest pop of the night so yeah i feel like it's going to be new japan stars to join the group i don't know i want to be surprised i want surprises i want if this is gonna be their one like their first big one there has to be multiple surprises or returns something big has to happen other than the matches themselves and i feel like this is the one one place where they can pull a big surprise or surprises yeah. for the card like i would i would assume somebody from london that hasn't been here for a while they mm -hmm. haven't seen russell that would be my best guess because they are in london so but yeah. i feel like they're just gonna pull some new japan stars and call it a day i have a feeling that that's what's going to end up happening too because I, I just i don't know it's um i i don't know uh who's gonna i don't know who they're gonna get but love I, the stadium stampede match so i'm ready for chaos and i'm assuming this is the match that you meant when you said there's gonna be a lot of big spots in yeah. this match over this thing in darby allen match yeah i think so and to be to be honest in looking at this one i think i think the only way to go with this one is to have the uh you know best friends go over uh getting their revenge on bcc uh i yeah. i think it's the only way to go here i really do um i don't know i see them having the bcc win i i feel like they've been on such of like this 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 tear recently of like them just running run rough shot over um dynamite that like i think i feel like this uh, a, a loss might hurt them a little bit i mean maybe not you never know because they are they are such a big group now like they've yeah. like they've been established at this point but i feel like this would establish them more as being the ones to win the stadium stampede match against all these guys who think they could beat them but then obviously they get bested by bcc i think one of the most important is that, that it could be or at least they wanted it to be, had he not been hurt, was Brian Danielson. Even though they were teasing that he could have been in a match with Kenny Omega had he been cleared. They thought that he was going to be ready in time. I think that's why Khan waited so long for them to build up the matches because they because he was hoping that Brian would have been cleared for All In. And then when he wasn't, he had to do some last-minute changes. Yeah, um... I guess if they're gonna if they're gonna continue the storyline between BCC and Best Friends, I guess that could happen. I think if they're gonna blow off that feud, uh, I think Best Friends have to win it. But we'll we'll see. I mean that there's that's a strong argument for BCC going over as well. I think a lot of it will depend on who uh, who the mystery partners are. Oh yeah, I think you know depending on who they get as partners, that will determine pretty much the match the rest of the way and the chaos that will ensue. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, it'll be fun either way. No, yeah. matches are always, They're always fun. fun. So. 
They're yeah. always just chaotic and fun. And it, I find it funny that even though I think I feel like it was originally meant for a COVID era match, it still holds up to this day. Even though, you know, before it was, I think it was meant for COVID because there were no, there were no fans. But with fans now, they love it now more than they did without fans. I think they've built it up so much where it actually makes sense with yeah. fans or without fans. It'll and, be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they do this at Wembley. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Either they have way. a huge field too, a huge arena to do this in. It's in the oh yeah. yeah, just, just they have so much room to just, just, just expand this matchup. But I'm excited. How long do you uh, think it'll take? Uh, how long do you think it'll take Moxley to bleed? Two minutes, three minutes, <laughs> like thirty seconds. You think you think he'll come out bloody already? I think he'll, like, I think he'll, I think he'll come out like Goldberg, where he bashes his head against the locker room. Yeah. He has a little bit of blood in his head from bashing yeah. his head in the locker room. He walks out with blood. That's that's yeah. what I think. during during his entrance he'll bleed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. This one, I I've I've given it a lot of thought, and I think it makes more sense now than it did originally. And that's uh, Chris Jericho versus Will Ospreay. I think at first, many, many people wanted it to be versus Kenny Omega for the U.S. or the U.K. championship. But looking at both of their star powers, I think you have Jericho, who's like the mainstream star, right? He's everywhere. So you have that big name. And then you have Will Ospreay, who's known everywhere else. So I think this match is very important for both the U.S. and for overseas, having to having such a two of the biggest stars in their respectful eras going at it. I think... This match is a lot bigger than it originally sounded like, and I think it's going to be a good one. I think it's going to be a great match. I think, I think this is the first time that Jericho was facing Osprey too, ever in a matchup. Yeah, I like this match. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be great. Um, I think it could possibly steal the show. Um, you know, Jericho's a big time performer. Uh, anytime he's on the big stage, you can expect big things from him same thing from will osprey i think that uh this one could really uh could really um you know steal the show i don't know i mean if i guess it depends on you know how much will osprey is going to be around um i think that you know jericho probably goes over in this one but you you just never know um again it it depends where this is going um yeah you know, because really, I mean, this has—I mean, really, this has nothing to do with Jericho and Osprey. It's really Jericho and Don Callis is the issue yeah. here. Yeah. And so, Will Osprey is just the manner in which Don Callis is going to go after Jericho now. So, we're still going to have, you know, the Jericho Don Callis dynamic. Um, so, I imagine that, you know, at at some point, if if Jericho goes over, I think that you know we'll see probably Callis pull somebody else out to try and. Take Jericho down. Yeah. So it it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I, I think see this being a shenanigans filled matchup with the, the 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 Don Callis family and Jericho. And I think we're gonna have one of those stories where we see if Jericho has any friends left in AEW. I feel like there's gonna be an instance where Osprey and uh the family are all beating Jericho down and it's dues does somebody save him or not? Does he still have friends in the business or did he burn every bridge he ever built along the way. So I think I have what could possibly be considered one of the craziest ideas in the history of wrestling. Okay. For this specific match. Okay. And I'm all ears. Here, here is my <laughs> prize. Like 3% this could happen. Uh, 
This is low. Yeah, there's like a three percent chance this can happen. <laughs> but if I had the pencil, this is what I would do. So let's say that let's say that Tony Khan was actually able to make a deal with Goldberg. Because honestly, oh, okay. he, he said there's he said there's been discussions between them. Like Tony Khan has admitted he's talked to Goldberg. So let's say that uh Goldberg comes down and costs Chris Jericho the match, setting up Goldberg and Chris Jericho for all out as Goldberg's last match. Wow. Wanna See, sell a pay-per-view? There it is. <laughs> I mean, you're right with it being like a three percent chance of of doing it, but if they could pull that off. That would be not only hilarious because it would be the, the first time that they've ever faced off in a match. Because I remember when Jericho tried to get a match with them in WCW, and that was some of the funniest stuff you can ever watch is him trying to, you know, petition for this matchup with Goldberg. And Goldberg was just like, nah, we ain't doing that. Um, it would be cool to see them bring that back around for one match, you know, one match only. And that's how Goldberg ends his career. <laughs> but that's, but what's interesting about it is if you listen to, uh, and I, I couldn't tell you how to find it, but there's an old episode of Talk is Jericho where Chris Jericho talks in detail about the Goldberg angle and everything that happened in WCW. And yeah. they have legit backstage heat with each other. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. You want to talk there, about there's, like, there's no question about it. You want to talk about putting differences aside for, you know, the sake of uh, making some money. This is how you do it. Like this yeah. would be a prime example of putting differences <laughs> aside. But seriously though, I mean, how crazy would that be to see Goldberg come out and ask Jericho to match, and then <laughs> they sign Goldberg and Jericho for All Out as Goldberg's last match? Like seriously, that would be incredible. Because I mean, let's let's be honest. If you were gonna book a final match for Goldberg, who would you want to see him wrestle? That's still around that could still go. Like seriously, who would you want to see? I mean, that's hard because all the wrestlers that, that he's faced are now in the same age bracket as him. Yeah. I mean, Jericho is too, but Jericho can still go. So that's that's why that would 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 make sense. And it's also uh, it's also a match we've never seen, and it's a match that is a huge huge would be a huge grudge match. So oh yeah, <laughs> I would I would love to see it. Yeah, that would be very uh, out the I would say out left field, but not out of left field. As long as they make it the story work for it. Um, so yeah. Who do you have winning the match? Uh I I think Jericho's gotta win this one. I do. Unless unless we're getting an unless we're getting another match between the two of them, I think Jericho's gotta win this one. If if Jericho doesn't win, you know, expect another match between the two of them, maybe next maybe the following week at all out, who knows? But um if if Jericho wins this is the end of like the Jericho Osprey thing for now. If Jericho doesn't win, we're going to see another match. Yeah. I am so, I love Osprey so much that I am kind of hoping that he gets the, the W um, Jericho. I don't think, I mean, I think storyline wise he needs it, but like wrestling wise, he doesn't need another win. <laughs> I think he can easily give Will Osprey the rub, give him the pin and then, go from there as like this like rebuilding because i think that's what they're doing they're they're trying to reinvent jericho again and keep him fresh so they're doing it this whole like sort of tweener baby face where is he gonna go what is he gonna do now that he's out of the um jas you know so mm -hmm. in that instance yes he needs to get his win back but in 
wrestling in general, I think Wasprey should get the win. So, well, let me ask you this: Is this going to be a uh, is this going to be a Bret Hart situation where we go over to All In and Will Ospreay is going to come out and get a standing ovation from the entire stadium? And Jago go gets booed out out of the arena. Yeah. I yeah. feel like that, I feel like that could happen. Yeah, because I'm thinking because that's that's his home turf, man. You're yeah. in Will Ospreay's turf. Like it's going to be, I'm sure, loud as hell for him. Versus mm-hmm. I, I think we might see a Jericho get booed out of the building. Who knows? Yeah, we could happen. To wait and see. Now, yeah. next match is there's so much gold in the match, but no gold is on the line. You got the Golden Elite, <laughs> Hankman Page, Kenny Omega, and Ibushi against Bullet Club Gold, Juice Robinson, Jay White, and Akeshta. I almost said that name wrong. Um, I just love that it's gold versus gold, but there's no gold on, even on, even on the line. Um, yeah, I think like I think like this has to go to the Golden Elite, at least storyline wise, to get their win back. Um, but at the same time, I think Bullet Cup Gold also needs it a win on a big stage just to cement their legacy as a group. So I don't I don't know how I feel about a winner in this match. Because both of them have reasons why they could win over the other one. I have a hard time taking Bullet Club Gold seriously. Um, Same. <laughs> I, I have such a hard time. Um, collision didn't help at all this week. Uh, it was like up until the end where they got really mad. It was like joke fest. Um, it was yeah, like well, a comedy show. They're kind of like, I don't want to say that they are like DX, but but they're kind of like, Bullet Club Gold is like their version of DX in my mind. Like they're trying to play it like, oh, funny, ha ha. Mm-hmm. Also, be this serious group at the same time. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't, um, I, I don't see them getting the win. I think it's got to go uh, to Golden Elite, and I have a reason for that, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Okay. Um, but I definitely think it's got to go to them. Yeah, I definitely think it has to go to the Golden Elite, like without question. I, I think. They need the win back. You know, the story is that they they took Kenny out. Hangman Page wants his revenge, and they have Coda on his side, which again is a huge match to have Coda mm-hmm. with Kenny and Page this time. So, yeah, I'm excited for this match. I just don't see. I I do see a way that they they could have both a couple gold win because they have such a big group now, but I don't see what that would do for them or the match afterwards. Yeah, I I think it's again. I'm I'm going with Golden Elite in this one. All right, so you have a reason. I do. Explain. Uh, <laughs> I will. Let's just keep going with the card. I'll explain okay. eventually. Okay. Okay. Eventually. All right. This is a little tease, I guess. A little teaser. Um, yeah. All right. We have the AEW Women's World Title with Sheeta versus Soraya versus Britt Baker versus Tony Storm. Um. Now, in my opinion. Just because in my mind it would be a cool little thing to happen in her home turf. I think they have Soraya go over, win the belt, and win the adoration of the crowd as this big moment for her and for her wrestling comeback, her in-ring comeback. Have her win, have the crowd go home happy with that one. Or Tony Storm. Either Soraya or Tony. I 100% disagree. <laughs> I do not even I do not even agree a little bit. 
<laughs> Here's what I think is going to happen. Um, I think you've, I think this whole thing, because none of this makes any sense to me, first off. Um, I don't, I don't like the match for one. Um, I'm not, uh, I'm not a big fan of, I'm not a big fan of the buildup. Um, I just, I don't, I guess for me, I don't really understand, um, where you do a title change when you did the title change with all in so close that and everything coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. I don't that I don't like. I, I don't think that made any sense. Um, but I think if you want to really if you want to really pop the crowd, if you really want to, you know, and this is what I honestly think is going to happen. I think that Britt Baker is going to win. OK. And then I think that Thunder Rosa is coming out. Oh, yeah. yeah I think he's been back. We haven't seen her in a ring since they announced her for Saturday show, I think she's still recovering from her injury or something, or they just don't have anything for her yet in terms of like creative, but, but she hasn't been back since they announced that she'll be back. So hopefully that could be a way to bring her back on a big stage like that and have it be one of the surprises. Yeah. Um, see, my thing is, I think that they've been, I think that this has all been a ruse. I think they've been holding back on Thunder Rosa. I think she's actually ready to go. I think that this was their plan all along. I think right. that this was their way of, uh, you know, this was their way of getting uh, the title back on Britt Baker without having uh, Soraya or Tony Storm have to lose the title at, at any point. Like, I, I feel like the, the out of everybody that's in this match, um, I, I feel like... Uh, Sheeta could lose the title and then just kind of disappear yeah. and nobody would probably even notice. So you, that way you don't make that way. You don't make Soraya look bad. That way you don't make Tony storm look bad. Yeah. And you get the title back on Britt Baker to have the thunder Rosa thing happen. Because yeah. I think I, I just, I feel like all of this is leading up to, you know, Britt Baker and, I mean, to be quite honest, and I, it, we may have talked about this before, we may have brought this up before, but really, I mean, if she wanted to, Thunder Rosa could come out and give the same exact speech CM Punk gave. Yeah. She never lost her title either. I'm the real champion. I yeah. still have the belt. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could yeah. have so them do I, another belt face off there. We have Britt versus Hunter for the real women's world championship. <laughs> I mean, could you, could you but imagine? Then be rehashing the belt versus belt thing with Punk and MJF. Yeah, but could you imagine if they're gonna build, if they're gonna build a pay per view and they have co-main events, a AEW World Title Unification and AEW Women's Title Unification co-main yeah. events. Yeah. So I feel like it could all make sense. I that's honestly what I think they're gonna do. Uh, not yeah. the not the whole unification things, but I think that Britt Baker's gonna win, and Thunder Rosa's coming back, and that is that is my prediction for the match. Yeah, this one, this one we don't agree on, and 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 that's okay. That's why we're called opinion city because we have opinions. Um, yeah, no, I, my votes for uh, Soraya or Tony just for the for the big fan pop. Um, yeah, I could, I could see it. So the next match I mentioned earlier is was up in the air, but I think we're okay now. 
For those that don't know, they announced that uh, Dash Wheeler got arrested recently for um, charges with a fire with, with a firearm. I think it was. Yeah. And so people thought that he wasn't going to be able to be cleared to go, but they didn't take his passport. So it seems as though he's still cleared to travel to the UK for the matchup. They yeah, haven't changed it good. yet. Uh, I know that they were out on Saturday to do a promo. And then I know they're doing a face-to-face with Young Bucks and FTR this week on Wednesday. So it seems the match is still a go. But for a minute there, it was kind of very touch and go. Um, As far as I know, the match is good to go. I have not heard anything differently. Um, So a couple of things about this match. Number one, I don't think the Bucks are going to win, which is why I think the Golden Elite has to get the win in their match. Yeah. But here's 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 my thing. So we have we have two teams here and you know they're talking about all this stuff about oh we've got to see who's the greatest tag team in the world and yeah. You know, all right, let's look at both tag teams. So first you have the Young Bucks who look the the Young Bucks have cemented a legacy for themselves completely aside from ever being considered the greatest tag team of all time because I don't think I I don't think as much as as much as I like the Young Bucks I don't think they're in that uh conversation at all I don't think we put them in that conversation and the reason I don't think we put them in that conversation is because they still have never uh they still have never had a WWE run they have not faced tag teams like the Usos that being said, I still think the Bucks have a legacy in this business that uh, is is unparalleled against other teams. Oh yeah. So I feel like FTR has, you know, they they've said that hey, four years left on our contract and then we're done. Yeah. Like that's it. We've got four years left and and we're done. So uh, I feel like if we're gonna talk about who needs to cement a legacy as the greatest tag team of all time. I feel like the, uh, I feel like FTR has to be the ones to really cement that legacy. And I feel like defeating the young bucks is going to be, uh, you know, a, another sort of rung in that ladder to being the, in the conversation for, you know, the greatest tag team of all time. And I feel like, FTR has a lot more to lose than the Young Bucks do in this situation because I feel like the Young Bucks could easily afford a loss in this match and show up tomorrow like nothing happened. Oh yeah, of course. Where, whereas <laughs> FTR loses this match, you know, it's it's uh it's a whole another situation for them. Um you do not see them come out on TV like nothing has happened. Uh so for me, I I feel like this is absolutely 100% must win for FTR, not just for the not just for the the tag titles, but really to cement their legacy in the history of wrestling as being in that conversation for greatest tag team of all time. Yeah, I agree. I think this match should go to them. The only reason why I see them losing the belts is because of the arrest, and that's um, Tony Khan's way of like punishing Dash for that instance happening. But I mentioned earlier, uh, look what they did with the Usos. Like, even though it's a totally different charge, but when both of them got all those DUIs, they still had the belts for, they never lost the belts, never got penalized. They were still on TV. 
Like yeah. nothing happened. So if they do that same route with FTR where, yes, it happened, but they still win as if nothing happened at all. You know? Yeah, I I just, again, you know, I, I think that... I think that they're very much in a wait and see what happens yeah, with this situation sure. as far as like the, the charges, court cases, all that kind of stuff. I think they're in a wait and see what happens. So with that in mind, um, I don't think they're going to make any moves as far as FTR is concerned until they absolutely have to, which again, I think is why we're still seeing this match. But yeah, I, I definitely think that, um, I just think that FTR is going over here. I think that it's the win is more important to them than it is to the Bucks. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think uh, in order to cement their legacy, even though I think last year they they did that handsomely with having all three belts for a while, which is probably one of my favorite FTR runs yeah. in history. When they had the IWGP the IWGP belts, the Triple uh, A belts, the AEW tag team belts, that was just amazing stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I sure. see them winning this one and uh, cementing their legacy as one of the one of, if not the best tag team in the biz today. Yeah, I agree. Which leaves us with the main event of the evening, the one that we've all been waiting for or all can't wait to see. I can't wait to see it. It's uh, MJF versus best friend Adam Cole for the AEW world title. And I said it earlier, I think if they're going to break them up, Adam Cole has to be the one to turn on MJF. So do you, does that mean you think Adam Cole's going to win? I, I hope, I, I mean, I'm, I'm on the fence because I've been enjoying MJF's run. I know, especially because recently he's been wrestling more matches than he said he was going to with this whole, like, in-between yeah. face run with Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always loved MJF's work. You, you are, I know you feel the same way. Me and you are mm-hmm. both MJF stands 100%. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. So, I do want to see Cole get his win, but I want him to do it in a way that he turns on his best friend and it's him that makes the turn, not MJF. Because I think that would mean more in this story than MJF turning like he always does. Have Cole be the one to do it instead, make the big swerve, and then you see what happens with it, MJF from there. Does he crack? Does he go back to his heelish ways? Does he cry about it? Like What, what does that do to his psyche? And that's what I think I want to see with this is what does that do to have who he thinks is his first real best friend turn on him instead of him being the turn, the one to turn on Adam Cole. I think that Adam Cole is going to make the turn on MJF. However, I think the double swerve is that Roderick Strong is going to then turn on Adam Cole Ah. and MJF is going to get the win. So then when we get to uh when we get to Wednesday night and Adam Cole says, you know, well, I should I should get a rematch because I didn't lose the match to you. I lost because of Roderick Strong. Yeah. And then MJF says, Well, you signed the contract, but you didn't read it. And the yep. contract said <laughs> that as long as I'm champ, that's your only title shot. Yep. That's Which, my prediction. For MJF, that would make sense. Is is if like he, you know, they both played this up this whole best friend gimmick. MJF has him sign it. He doesn't even read it. Which he, which if you listen to the crowd that night, they were saying, read it, read it. Like to, like having like yeah. they wanted to go to read it first because they, they know MJF knew. is a snake and could have put something in there that he didn't see, some sort of clause. But like you said, that he could 
only have this one and then that's it. So it's MJF. He's I still think he's, you know, the 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 slimy scumbag that he always is, mm. but there's this underlying face turn, face run that is hiding that side of him until something like this breaks him again where Adam Cole turns on him and his best friend is now no more. Yeah. Uh I I definitely think that there's a lot going to be happening in this match i think that there's going to be you know that whole underlying like who's gonna who's gonna really you know turn on who here what's going to happen are they going to still be best friends all this stuff and i just i i feel the double swerve coming on yeah that would make sense because they have been pushing roddy pretty heavily after every segment with like the come on cole come on man snap out of it like, <laughs> like yeah and i think the way he loses it is by the kingdom, not just Roderick, but the kingdom coming out to cost Adam Cole with a matchup because you have Roddy join, finally join the kingdom officially, and they all come out and uh, attack Adam Cole to end the show with a, a little bit of chaos. Um. Yeah, I mean, I... I can see that. I can see a lot of these things happening. Of course, I can also see somebody cleanly winning here too. I can see Adam Cole cleanly winning against MJF because, you know, part of me wants to say that we end this on a crazy chaotic note because we've got another pay-per-view in a week. However, part of me also says this is the biggest show in the history of AEW, one of the biggest shows in the history of wrestling. We want fans to go home happy. Of course. We do something that's you know plain vanilla and take it home and that's that (laughs) listen sometimes plain vanilla is better than your rocky road yeah maybe (laughs) i don't know we'll see um I, i think a lot of people would feel that if this match doesn't somehow end in a clean victory for one of them that it's uh really uh a a missed opportunity or a letdown but we'll see Uh, a lot of things could happen um hopefully no matter what happens it's a good show and we don't have a repeat of wrestlemania 39 where we see two nights of great wrestling and the only thing anybody remembers is the terrible ending of the world title match yeah i don't think that'll happen here but again anything will happen we'll have to wait and see we didn't think it would happen at WrestleMania, but look what happened. Oh, no, I know. We all know what happened to Mania. We all still talk about it to this day. Yeah. <laughs> so overall, what are your thoughts on the card? I know you said before you were at a four, now you're probably at a nine, but you seem a little bit less than a nine the way you're describing these matches. I don't know where you see it now. Well, here's the thing. Um, I I mean, I'm probably like an eight or nine, as far as excitement goes, I'm probably like still at a four as far as what I think is going to happen because right. I, I don't like, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no way to know what could happen. And I feel like this is one of those cards where a few bad spots could really mar the whole thing. And I am a little concerned about, another WrestleMania 39 happening where yeah. we have that great show where we've got just phenomenal matches. I mean, you know, uh, we have the possibility of either CM Punk versus Joe or Chris Jericho versus Will Ospreay being the 
Gunther, Drew McIntyre, and Sheamus match of the card where it just oh, completely yeah. overshadows the whole thing. Yeah. And then that. nobody's going to remember that. Nobody's going to be talking about that Monday morning because they're all going to be talking about like how they botched the end of the show. So yeah. I am a little concerned. I, I think that there are definitely things that could really um, sort of mar what is supposed to be like the biggest night in wrestling history. Yeah. I think it's right on the edge where it could either be really, really good or it could be really, really good. And that's not what we remember. So yeah, I'm, I am a little concerned, but I am excited for the show. I yeah, think it's I'm gonna... super excited. I think I'm, I think I'm on an eight or nine as well. Uh, probably for some reasons, just because again, the, the, the build did feel a little rushed going into it because I think again, Khan was waiting on, saying if certain stars were going to be cleared and then they weren't, he had to do plan B, which I feel like with Khan, he has always a plan B in his pocket. It's just, he's just waiting to pull it out. I feel like the yeah. way he, 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 the way he uh, runs his business, he always has like a plan B and C in case injuries happen. And I think, I feel like he's always thinking about, okay, if he gets hurt, what would make sense for this? I feel like he's always thinking about the uh, backup plans for if, if things fall through, which, which, which I appreciate. I don't appreciate like a random thing happening for a reason he, he does it with a reason but yeah. it's also because of an injury right so well uh we've got a week and we'll find out uh exactly what is uh going to happen in a week's time at this point uh next week we'll probably have seen most of the card at this point we'll probably be either watching Adam Cole and MJF or waiting for that to start at this point, depending yep. on how long the show runs. But uh, I'm excited. Um, I think it's going to be great. Uh, I'm even more excited for uh, next week when we are going to be doing a uh, all in reaction show on Sunday. We do not have the specific details for you just yet but please watch our socials this week as we will be making a huge announcement about uh how you'll be able to see our uh live reaction show after all in so definitely keep an eye on socials this week and uh, we will have that information for you i'm uh, i'm really excited about that like i'm i'm, I'm excited for us because we are going to be, again, uh, coming to you from the uh, Mancast Network New Jersey studio uh, yep. next weekend as we will be uh, together in New Jersey to watch the uh, all-in pay-per-view, uh, the yep. biggest uh, biggest possible card in, in wrestling history. So uh, we will be together in person yet again. That's... Uh, twice in the course of uh, like three weeks here so that's that's pretty exciting and then we'll be together again for lvac's steel stacks smackdown 2 when i will be in the home office of ralph 316 in his neck of the woods in bethlehem pa yeah that's uh that's gonna be a huge week too um that's coming up september 16th uh that is at the steel stacks in bethlehem pennsylvania they've already announced uh a ton of talent for the show. Uh, the Godfather will be on that show. D'Lo Brown will be on that show. Alpha Junior. Uh, Alpha Junior. Delirious uh, are going to be on that show. It's going to be uh, a fantastic show. Last year they had over a thousand people there, and I think it's going to be the same. Pretty, thing. 
pretty packed again <laughs> this year. So uh, that's exciting stuff. Please um, check out the LVAC on socials at the LVAC. I know uh, tickets are going fast. I believe ringside and balcony are gone already. So yeah, uh, I believe general admission is all that's left. So listen, if you are anywhere near yeah, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania on September 16th, please uh, go and get tickets for that show. You will not be disappointed. The LVAC puts on uh, an amazing show uh, and we will be there as well. So uh, you can uh, hunt us down and say hello and uh, it'll be be an exciting night so yeah within the next uh month we've got some really cool stuff coming up big things down the pipeline yeah we we make our uh we make our surprise lvac debuts <laughs> on the 16th at uh steel stacks smackdown 2 which yeah. you know brings us to this week's topic Yep, we have this week we're doing top five surprise debuts in wrestling history. Wow. This one I'm super excited about because I it's love surprise, surprise debuts. I always have. Yep. Um, if done right, it's always just amazing. So let's kick it off. Let's get off with you first. We'll do your Ooh. number five first this time. All right. So um, my my number five, and I will tell you how i i kind of went about my list uh for me when i looked at surprise debuts uh i thought what is what is the one thing we really look for in a surprise debut and to me obviously beyond just the idea of it being a surprise is the importance of a surprise debut so we have to go all the way back to January 1st of 2004, my number five pick, uh, watching an episode of Raw's War, there was a match between Al Snow and Steve Blackman facing off against the New Age Outlaws. And all of a sudden, there was a group sitting front row, uh, some familiar faces, but not the familiar faces that we we were used to seeing on, on Monday Night Raw. We had uh, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, and of all people, the man known as Perry Saturn. The four of them were uh, defects from WCW. Road Dog took a cheap shot at Benoit, and that just started what would become uh, two fairly impressive WWE careers and two WWE careers. <laughs> however, however, um, this was a this was a super important moment in the uh, in in the Monday Night Wars. Uh, the whole uh, the whole thing, um, you know, these guys had really because it kind of highlighted what was going on with WCW at the time. You know, there yeah. was this real sort of um, discontentment among a number of wrestlers in WCW who simply did not feel that their talent was being showcased and rewarded as it should be. And who could disagree? Also, that was um, probably their worst year that yeah. they had. That was that, that was some of the worst possible stuff they could have ever put out was the year 2000 Vince Russo running wild in creative. And it was just bad. It's just bad. Well, and you look at, <laughs> I mean, you look at what you look at what Eric Bischoff tried to do with WCW there for a while. And part of it was really, um, 
in in being different than WWE and they wanted to do everything they could to be different. So they brought in all these cruiserweights from all over the world. And the cruiserweight division really uh, was one of the absolute brightest spots of Nitro for a long, long time. Oh, yeah. And so to see these guys kind of band together and say, you know what, we're done with this. We're done not being given the opportunities we deserve. We're done not being showcased the way we should be. We're not, we're done not being given the credit that we deserve. So they kind of, you know, took their ball and went to another court. And uh, so my number five is the radicals surprise debut on, on Monday night raw. Uh, For me, it was just, it, it was, it was a moment in time that, symbolizes i think a lot of discontent not be not just between wrestlers but when you really look at it i think it symbolized the discontent that a lot of fans had with wcw at the time as yeah, well because again it was it was uh it was a rough watch <laughs> it was a rough watch for a while there yeah so, so i mean you had uh, you know this this catapulted you know two careers i mean chris benoit and eddie guerrero became absolute you know wwe legends Um, obviously Chris Benoit became what he was, but at looking at at kind of separating the two and looking at his, his career as a wrestler, um, you know, obviously he and Eddie were the most, uh, accomplished and, and, and famous of the two over time. However, uh, Dean Malenko had a, a long in-ring career and then transitioned to backstage where, uh, he became a uh, respected uh, member of the the road agents in the back. So and then uh, there's Saturn. Yeah, and here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing about here's the thing about Saturn. Like Moppy was one of my favorite gimmicks. Oh, Moppy was some of the greatest, goofiest wrestling that I ever witnessed, and I loved everything in the middle of it. But I still felt bad because they gave it yeah. to someone who was just so talented in the ring. Well, I mean, you, know. you you go from you go from uh, you know the the highs of your career being in the Eliminators in ECW to now being in a you know semi team with a mop, like yep. it's it's kind of <laughs> crazy. But uh, Perry Saturn, however, a person, um, I mean, Perry Saturn had some crazy stuff happen. He uh, oh yeah, he had a lot happen. He, he he rescued he rescued a bunch of people from a burning building and got uh, like third degree burns all over his body. Like, yeah. you know, it's just in, insane. But Crazy. again, uh, just a, just a very important moment. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's a very good pick. One that I had thought about when making my list, but mm-hmm. I ended up not putting it on my list. Um, but great pick. My number five pick is actually a twofer because it happened mm. on the same night and I couldn't pick one over the other because they were both easily as epic. So my pick is from All Out 2021, where not only did Adam Cole make his debut, but Brian Danielson also made his debut at the same, not same time, but on the same night. Adam Cole was first, then Brian was second, but just the way that they did it with no warning, there was no buildup, there was no warning. It was perfect. Um, Kenny Omega had just retained his title from Christian Cage. And after he cut a scathing promo where he said that anyone who would have had a chance at his title was either not in the AW 
retired or already dead, which again was so it's just that promo is like will live rent free in my mind just because of the way he said that. That's when Adam Cole's music hit, and the crowd went wild. Uh, still, one of my favorite themes currently is Adam Cole's theme. And they teased that he was going to go after the Elite, but then he aligned himself with them. And then we thought it was over. As Kenny was bidding his adieu, lights go out. You hear Flight of the Valkyries, and the roof blew off. Like, those were two of the loudest pops, I think, in AEW's uh, recent memory, where nobody knew they were going to be there. I think some had an idea because their contracts ran out in WWE, but they weren't expecting it to be so soon after their contracts expired. Because Adam Cole's uh, contract expired literally, I think, a month prior to his debut in AEW, which for that was unheard of because they usually have 90-day no-compete clauses, but with Adam Cole, he only had 30 days because he was on the NXT contract. So they were more surprised because they were so soon after their contracts expired. That's what made him such a big deal. Yeah, so this is this is a really cool pick just because again, you know, you're looking at two surprise debuts in one night, you know, pretty much back to back. And I thought about putting this on my list. The only reason I didn't add this one to my list was that um I felt like they they could have they could have missed an opportunity here for uh you know, I, I think if Adam Cole makes his surprise debut and da- uh, Brian Danielson makes his surprise debut, even if they're not at the same time, you're still going to get that lot of a pop. So I thought maybe combining them into, you know, one night might not have been the, the best idea, but still, um, I think they were huge, hugely important for AEW. And oh, absolutely. I, I think that's what really, you know, that's what really makes this a good pick is that they were so important for AEW. Absolutely. I, I think those were two, were two of their biggest gets up to that point for that year, other than, of course, CM Punk. But you had two of the biggest names in WWE at the time with, you know, you had the Undisputed Era with Adam Cole. You had Brian Danielson just had his Mania match with Roman Reigns and Edge. So, like, they had we're doing such big things before that. So no one thought that, you know, they would go to a different company and Brian just, they both decided, let's just see what happens. Like, and here we are, uh, two years later, Brian Danielson is in the BCC, probably one of the biggest groups in AEW history. You have Adam Cole was going for the AEW world title. Like for that time period, these were two big gets from AEW next to CM Punk. Yeah, absolutely. And we're very important Uh, for their history going forward is to have those two big names debut in AW the way that they did. I agree. All right. Hit us with your number four. All right. So uh, my number four, and I guess this is probably my number four because it's not really a, it's not really a wrestler. Okay. Manager? So, no. No, okay. <laughs> so, uh, we go back to July 15th of 2002. And the reason I picked this one, and it's my number four, is because I think this is probably, 
if we look at surprise debuts in professional wrestling, this might be the most unlikely of surprise debuts of all time. I don't think you could ever get a more surprising surprise debut. And that is when Vince McMahon brought out the new raw general manager and it was Eric Bischoff. Oh, wow. That, yeah. And I remember being there. I remember seeing that as a kid and just, yeah, my jaw was to the floor. Oh, I think everybody's was. It was shocking in ways you couldn't even imagine. And I think what was even more shocking about it is that when Eric Bischoff came out, the two of them embraced in a hug. Yeah, they hugged now, and that is a moment blew that, the internet up. Oh, that's a moment you could have never <laughs> seen coming. And, you know, I think when, when they talk about Vince and they talk about Vince McMahon's personality and things, I mean, it kind of makes sense that he would, you know, bring the guy who he finally um defeated uh bring him in because i mean look at what eric bischoff did he was general manager for three years um the the second longest run as raw general manager and look at the way he was fired yeah vince mcmahon threw him into the back of a garbage truck threw him in a dumpster (laughs) yeah so it's like you know what uh, i mean this this was obviously you know something vince had probably thought about for a long time Oh, I'm certain. But again, this is a great example of this is why I think CM Punk and the Elite will work again together. This is why I think Goldberg and Jericho will work together before it's all over and said and done. Because this is the ultimate example of people putting, you know, uh, personal feelings and bygones aside and doing what's best for business and what's going to make the most money. Um, Yeah. You know. Look at the look at the title of Bischoff's book. Controversy creates cash. Well, it makes sense. He's That's what the, he was known for. Em, he's the embodiment of it. Oh yeah. Um, and again, you know, I don't think to me, uh, and I did not put this as my number one, simply because, well, first off, I have other choices. Of course. But I also have <laughs> choices. Uh, the, the rest of my choices are professional wrestlers. This, however, yeah. is is not a wrestler, but. I think that honestly, if you look at my entire list, I don't think that anything was more surprising than this one. So if it yeah, was down was to what was the biggest surprise, I would have surprise. had to have put this at number one. But, you know, I instead went with what was most important. But this is easily the biggest surprise. Yeah, my theory is still going to be forever that Vince hired whoever was in WCW just to bury them. And I think with Bischoff, he gave that one time before he buried him. But he did eventually bury him, um, literally in a garbage can or a garbage truck. So I think I still believe that that whoever Vince hired from WCW, most of them nine times out of ten got buried one way or another, because Vince still felt there was a competition going on, brother. Um, so <laughs> I mean, look at Sting; they brought in Sting, and he didn't lose, and he didn't win one match during his run in WWE. They literally buried him, and that was Sting's one worry, and his and his worry came true. Yeah, but to that point, even when they brought Sting in, I think the fact that they never did Sting and Taker was even worse than the fact that he never won that a match. One, that one was the missed opportunity, I think, of wrestling. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that that's <one>. easily <laughs> easily the biggest. You know, and and then of course, you know, they they buried all these guys, and then. 
one guy who had an actual shot at not getting buried buried himself in Buff Bagwell. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah. But the Eric Bischoff thing was just such a surprise. Yeah, absolutely. That the, the, um, a great pick again. One that I had thoughts of in my list, but there were other ones in my mind that just were more important to me on my list than on than for that one. So I'm I'm glad you put it on the list because it wasn't on mine. All right, on to your pick. My number four pick is someone that for a long time nobody thought would ever go to WWE. This guy built his reputation in TNA wrestling and was the face of the company for them for a long time. That man, of course, being the phenomenal AJ Styles when he debuted at the 2016 Royal Rumble as entrant number three. There were rumors that he might sign with them, but people had such doubts that the guy who spent his career separate from the biggest company ever would actually sign with them and, and put pen to paper. Then came the Rumble. And this, I think, was also a missed opportunity because you see Reigns in the ring. He's in the corner. He just threw out the, the number two, and he's waiting for the entry. And you see the, the unknown song play. See Reigns look confused. They didn't pan to it until the last minute, but on the screen you see Phenomenal come up, and the crowd blows up. The reaction was honest. It was a surprise. They were actually shocked. They were freaking out. Styles even said in, in, in interviews that he was nervous that nobody would remember him. And when, as soon as he walked out, all of that went right away because the fans went ballistic when he came out. I think it was a chill-inducing moment and possibly one of the truly great debuts in history up until that point. Yeah, I definitely like the AJ Styles debut. Uh, again, I thought about this one for my list. Um, for me, I think that, um, you know, over that first year that AJ was in WWE, he had, no pun intended, such a phenomenal year. But oh, it was a great year. <laughs> yeah, he had, he had a great run. Um, and if they had done more with him, I might have, this one might have made my list because... I, I do feel like his surprise wasn't as much of a surprise just because there was a lot of chatter about it, but oh, yeah. it still was surprising in the fact that it actually got pulled off and happened. Um, yeah. But uh, for me, I think if, if they had done more with him, if they had utilized him more, because I really don't think for a guy of AJ Styles' talent, for a guy of AJ Styles' name in the wrestling business, uh, I, at this point, I think he could be better served elsewhere. Um, mm -hmm. I think if, you know, uh, him and, uh, the rest of the, uh, OG club there took their, uh, took their ball and went to AEW, I feel like they could get a much better, uh, shake at things right now. Cause I don't think WWE is really doing much of anything with them, unfortunately, um, but yeah, uh, a great debut, um, super exciting. Um, I remember watching that rumble and, you know, I popped as much as the crowd did cause it was just, oh, yeah. cause I was excited. I mean, I was always a big AJ Styles fan. Um, so Same. to see him finally make the jump to see him actually get the shot at, at, uh, WWE was, uh, very exciting. And I hate to say it, but I think that was the only good part of that year's rumble was Styles' debut because the rest of it was just garbage. Let's be honest. 
I think that was the Rumble where Triple H beat, won the Rumble and won the belt. And the whole idea being that they were going to have Reigns be rebuilt up for the Mania where he beats Triple H and even that match which was a bore. Yeah. 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 It, so. it definitely was a bright <laughs> spot. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was like the one good part of the Rumble was Styles' debut, his, like you said, one year, maybe even, I wouldn't even say two year run that was just phenomenal. They, they gave him every belt and every chance known to man to keep his legacy intact. And it wasn't mm-hmm. until. And I think I feel like his last big thing before they kind of lost touch was him versus Taker in the Boneyard match. I think. I, oh yeah, I, I, I yeah. Think that was the last big thing they had for Styles before they kind of uh, lost their way a little bit. Yeah, that was really sort of the the high peak of his career, and then everything was sort of downhill from there. So, I mean, who knows? There's there's still a chance they'll do something good with him, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. All right. You're up. All right. So for my number three, I'm going to get you to try and guess my number three. <laughs> it could be anybody. It could be anybody. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you some clues. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, so give you some clues. All right. All right. Clue number one. Right. October 5th, 1997. Oh, I couldn't. Dates aren't, dates aren't oh. always, dates aren't Ooh. always my bad. It's hard always my best strong point. Certain dates are, but that Ooh. date I next hint. Go ahead. Go ahead. Don't boo me. All right. <laughs> Your brother, he's still alive. Oh, you mean Kane? I do mean Kane. <laughs> yes. There you so go. My my there number three go. is Kane. Uh obviously, um our our good friend Glenn Jacobs um had quite the uh quite the career uh in the dental industry. Before uh, <laughs> returning, uh, before returning to uh, <laughs> WWE in October of of 1997, um, the lead up to this being that um, you know uh, that the Undertaker's brother Kane, uh, who the Undertaker had claimed was the pyromaniac that started the fire and uh, killed their parents, but as it turned out, it was. The Undertaker that started the fire and Kane was um, badly burned in the fire, which uh, we would find out later meant that, you know, he had like some black soot on his face and a bad haircut. It was all psychological. However, (laughs) however, um, Paul Bearer then led Kane to the ring uh, during the uh, Hell in a Cell match, the very first ever Hell in a Cell match at uh, In Your House Bad Blood. Yeah. And uh, it was all gangbusters from there. Uh, Kane tore the door off the cell, helped, Great uh, helped take down The Undertaker using The Undertaker's own tombstone pile driver Perfect. and allowing Shawn Michaels to get the win uh, in, the, in the first ever Hell in a Cell match. But this led to many, many things for Kane and uh, specifically The Undertaker. They had uh, quite the feud between, um, you know, Inferno matches to The Undertaker's return at WrestleMania 20 as the dead man. Yeah. Um, but this was, um, this, this was really important because, you know, Kane played this sort of um, very important role in the career of the undertaker but then became so much more than that like oh, yeah. he he absolutely uh you know 
blew the doors off of this idea of the undertaker's brother where you know they had you know split up they had then you know they had become tag team champions together as the brothers of destruction and had amazing runs um i mean there's there's no uh there's no discounting the impact that kane has had on the professional wrestling world um just everything that he's been able to do over his uh hall of fame career and uh this was this was the surprise moment that that started it all i will say that uh i wish they would have gone with the cape yeah that was cool i think he only used it once in a house show he did that there's was one there's one, one photo there's one photo of him coming out during his entrance wearing the cape and that's the only time you ever see it but yeah that would have been cool but uh yeah kane is kane is definitely someone that um a a surprise debut that uh took things to a, a whole nother level now as a kane fan you would think that he was on my list but i have a reason why he was not on my list because in my mind that wasn't a surprise debut they had been building it up for weeks that Oh, Kane's alive! Kane's alive! They that they had a build up to his debut rather than than a surprise debut. So that's why I did not put him on the list because I didn't consider that one a surprise because they had been they had, had been building it up for weeks prior that Kane was going to show up somewhere. Well, they they had been building it up for weeks prior, but we didn't know he was going to show up when he did. I think the fact that he I think the fact that he showed up during that first Hell in a Cell to help defeat his brother. I think that that moment that they picked for it, um, because even even when he came out uh, at first, they weren't sure. And then all of a sudden, Vince McMahon's like, oh, my God, that's got to be Kane. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, it's um, I I feel like there was enough of a a surprise that um, that that he showed up at that moment. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my reasoning for. Uh, putting him on the list i think that it was uh again uh a hall of fame career that started off with Absolutely. A, a an appearance that you know we did not see coming if this was just top five debuts that would have been number one on my list because that was the debut that got me into wrestling was kane's debut but this is surprise debuts so in my mind looking back i was that really wasn't much of a surprise other than when he came out rather than them saying his name over and over every week, week in, week out. Good pick, nonetheless. Just not. Well, one listen, hey, this hey, list. listen. The the internet said AJ Styles' name over and over for weeks. Oh no, that's fair. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to your pick. My number three is kind of bittersweet if you think about it. Uh, following years of being miscast and underutilized in the WWE, this man finally had the chance to save his career and his legacy. But unfortunately, the debut was during the pandemic era, so there was no reaction. Um, that man is the late, great Brody Lee to AEW, the exalted one himself. Uh, his arrival in AEW would elevate the Dark Order to new heights, eventually turning them into fan favorites, not to mention that, the, that, that phenomenal run as TNT champion before his untimely death. So yeah, this debut, I just wish, didn't have to happen during the pandemic era. Because originally he was going to be debuting in New York. They had that that AEW show was going to be in Rochester, so that crowd would have been so loud for his debut. And it's unfortunate that he had to debut during the COVID era, where there were no fans. Um, 
So that's why I say it's a little bit bittersweet. But his run in AW Man was just, in my eyes, perfection. His run was awesome. His TNT Championship run was amazing. His um, segments on BTE with the with the uh, papers was hilarious. Like that was just a total change from Luke Harper that I think he needed to uh, end his career the way he wanted it to. And I think even though it was kind of um, too close too soon, I think the way he ended his AEW run was perfect. Yeah, this is one of those, this is one of those picks where um, you have somebody that you, you see, you see the potential there and you see that they're never really going to reach that potential doing what they're doing. So, you know, making that sort of uh, surprise debut in the, in the way that he did, um, I think it was almost a foregone conclusion that he was going to have to go somewhere other than WWE to really get the credit due to him um, for for what he was what he was able to do. I mean, anybody that saw him um, on the indies before his WWE run knew enough to know that um, while WWE still had him in you know, a, a decent role. And I loved the Wyatt family and that whole, Oh um, yeah. I mean, I even liked the bludgeon brothers. I thought that entrance Those was fun super too. unique yeah. and, it super cool. but it wasn't, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to satisfy him. It wasn't enough to show what he could really do. So, um, I think the fact that they gave him such a big role in his such debut in AEW. Oh, yeah. yeah. To, to put him in that spot, um, and I do think that this was a big surprise cause I don't think a lot of people saw it coming. No, I don't think it was something that, um, people were able to easily guess that he was going to be the one behind it. So, um, yeah, I think in that respect, it was, uh, you know, a, a really great and important debut, not just for, um, you know, the, the wrestler, but also for the organization that he was debuting for. Yeah, he was just like, again, I wish that it was in front of a crowd because I know for a fact that that crowd would have blew the roof off when his name came up on the screen or when he was when when he walked up from the shadows and the voice changed to him. I think the crowd would have went immediately like ballistic. Um, And again, his, yeah, I agree. His AEW career, I'll, I'll bite, was short, but it was so good with like everything again with between the. Reign is champion. The BTE stuff, the the, uh, the papers, which I which I loved the paper segment. Mm-hmm. I think that's some of the funniest things that 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 that, that, that he's done. Yeah, and even all the wrestlers said that he would purposely try and crack all the wrestlers that he worked for. He wanted to, to see them laugh purposely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's just the kind of person that he was. Like he just wanted to make people laugh. He, he seemed like such a genuine guy that. Just never got his due diligence, I think, in the WWE that he finally got that due diligence in AEW before his uh, untimely passing. That's why he's my number three. Very good pick. I I did not put that on my list, um, but I can absolutely 100% get behind that being on a list because it, um, it was the start of a career resurgence that should have happened long ago and uh, just a, a long time ago for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just a great pick. All right. So we number are down two. to we are down to my number two. And 
I'm going to put you on the spot again. I'm going to try to guess my number two. (laughs) All right. So clue number one. There we go. Holy cow. Look at the size of that ham hawk. Check out that drumsticks, baby. I know that line. Oh, my God. Take her. That is correct. Ah. So we uh, we go. Yes, that was uh, (laughs) that to me. um, Besides Bobby Heenan at the 92 Royal Rumble, that was one of my favorite calls of all time. When that was a great line. Just a great line. Just lost it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So. um, So we go back to we go back to 1990. Survivor uh, Series. Yes, to the Survivor Series where uh, the Million Dollar Man's team was uh, professing this uh, this mystery partner that was uh, going to be teaming with them, and uh, we had no idea what was coming. Um, this was honestly, I think, because again, you have to remember back to 1990 and what life was like back then, and the fact. That, <laughs> That there was no internet, there was no dirt sheets, there was just, you know, magazines that reported, and you know, you didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't. I have, was one. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have these. Uh, you didn't have these moments where, you know, everything was spoiled by the internet. You just yeah. you had no idea what was going to happen, and so I don't think anybody had any idea of what was going to happen. But when they saw who showed up, uh and what this what this character was i mean he really you know he got in the ring and pretty much you know manhandled coco beware and yeah got rid of him immediately um you know and then i I mean again this was dusty Rhodes in his later career but still he eliminated dusty Rhodes in his uh first you know appearance so um it's it's just insane to think of you know what the undertaker started off as and you know this is this is something that a lot of people don't think about but um i mean who was who was undertaker's first manager who did he come out to the ring with at the survivor series brother love yep Yep. a lot of people don't think about that but you know again it's just it's so incredible to think about um you know, a, a surprise debut and, and what somebody is and, and what you're seeing like right off the bat. And then to think about the career that the undertaker has had, you know, from that moment on, uh, just everything that he's, everything that he's done in the business, um, just incredible moments that, you know, are, are moments that people will never forget. Oh yeah came from this this one guy and this this was the moment that we first saw him and it was a shock i mean this was somebody you know they panned to kids in the crowd and kids in the crowd were legitimately terrified of this because you'd never seen a wrestler like this before yeah he was he was brand new for that time he was a brand new character for that time you know in a in a sea full of faces and like just happy-go-lucky stars you have this menacing dark Drury guy that just looks menacing the size his his hat the 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 ghostly face paint on his face not face paint but makeup on his face that made him look look mm. look like dead yeah yeah it was freaky for it was for that time it was something totally new 
it was completely different than anything else we had seen up to that point. And that's, I mean, that's a time in wrestling when you could say that somebody did something completely different. Cause nowadays you can't say that like just about no, everything there is to be done has been done. But here we had a truly fresh new gimmick that, I mean, it couldn't have fit somebody better. I yeah. mean, there's nobody else that could have done that gimmick. It was perfect for him. And this this was the moment that we we got to see that all uh all be born right there at the Survivor Series. So that is my number two. That is another great pick. And again, one that I don't think I think about just because uh I thought about ones that were memorable for me. Cause again, when I when that happened, I was barely one, if not turning one. So I was not a wrestling fan at that point at all. I was I didn't even know what wrestling was at that time. So <laughs> yes. So that's one reason why that one was not my list because I wasn't around for that debut. I knew it happened much later when I was into it with Kane, but I was yeah. barely one when when that happened. So I I regularly attended MSG shows when I was one. Just <laughs> wish I wish. <laughs> All right. All right. My number two. number two is isn't just the surprise debut of one person but of a whole group. I also believe it was the first and most successful NXT call-up in history, and that is the debut of The Shield. Roman Reigns, Ambrose, and Rollins. Um, because up to that point, there was no build-up. There was no tease, no nothing. You knew that these guys were in NXT, but that was it. This was the first, I think, big call-up that, again, changed the course of wrestling history for a good 10 years. After that, like they came out of nowhere, they stormed the match. It was CM Punk versus Ryback. They put him to, a, they put him to a table. Even Cole told it as, "Who are these guys? It's it's Ambrose Rollins." Like he like he like he made it seem like you knew their names, but also seemed shocked that they even came out. But they came out. They wrecked Ryback. CM Punk retained. And again, they would capture the next decade, whether it was the group or each three individually, look at their careers now because of their debut as The Shield. Reigns is the Tribal Chief. Rollins is World Heavyweight Champion. Moxley's doing amazing things in AEW. But I think without their start in The Shield, they would not be where they are today. Yeah, it's um, it's it's incredible to think that, you know, one surprise debut brought about... So much talent. So much and, talent. And to see where they've gone from being in the Shield. And just, I mean, even like, let's just talk about what they did with the Shield. Um, and I've talked about this before. The, the Shield and the Wyatt family is one of my favorite feuds of all time because they really had such tremendous matches together. And it was so, it's like they so perfectly diametrically opposed each other. Oh yeah. Um, they just they had such chemistry. Um but again, you know, you see that you know, everything has to end at some point and when the shield ended, it just it skyrocketed, well, two wrestlers and obviously Roman Reigns took a little longer to come into his own, but once he did, I mean, we we spent all that extra time, you know, waiting for him to 
become whatever it was he was supposed to become. And when he yeah. did, we're looking at, you know, the greatest title reign of the modern era. We're looking at a guy who's number three on the list now of all time longest, uh, you know, wrestling champions. Like it's, yep. it's insane to think that these guys, you know, and I mean, you see what, you see what Moxley's been able to do um, in, in AEW. You see what Seth Rollins has been able to do. I mean, you want to talk about moments. I mean, his cash in uh, at WrestleMania to win the title was just, I mean, that's a moment that will never be forgotten. I nice mean, to, he nice did 900 miles an hour running to the oh, He ran like a bat of hell, man. <laughs> he, he, ran, he ran so fast that people thought they were watching the flash from DC because he was just, boom, gone. Yeah, but like, he wasted just, no time. Ooh, yeah, but just to just to think about, you know, all the talent that came out of one single debut. Yeah, one debut, and it catapulted Reigns as the biggest star in the industry today. You have Rollins and Moxie, who have become main eventers and and needle movers in their own right. But none of this would happen had they not debuted at Survivor Series 2012 as a group. Absolutely, excellent pick. All right, this is it's it. Time. This is, this is the big moment. Number one. It's time for number one. Don't make me guess again. No, I'm not going to make you guess again. <laughs> so, in talking about the talking about surprise debuts and talking about the importance of surprise debuts and what really necessitates a important surprise debut, and we've talked about you know um, launching the careers of certain talents or sort of bringing certain talents to a point that they should have been elsewhere. Um, yeah. So these are all things that we talk about as reasons why a, a debut might be important. However, there are, there are other things. And, and one of them is not only just a snapshot in time, but, you know, being a, a cultural moment, a moment that sort of, defines an era of wrestling and i think that my number one pick is really my number one pick because i see this as a moment that even more than some others where we might look at it and say well this is this is important in the same way but for me this is a moment that sort of launched an actual war this is a moment oh. that launched the Monday Night Wars, in my okay. opinion. I think this was the first shot fired. This was the biggest shot fired at the time. And quite honestly, it was an absolute surprise. So we go back to August of 1995. And Ooh. a talent by the name of Lex Luger ah. expresses to his friend Sting that he wants to leave the WWF. So he gets a call from Eric Bischoff, the uh, vice president of WCW at the time, and they set up a meeting to talk about uh, a contract and Luger, you know, possibly jumping ship. Um, and Eric Bischoff has admitted uh, in, in interviews that he did not want to make an offer to Luger. He did not want to hire Luger because he just, he didn't care for Luger at all. He has said yeah. this many times um, that he just, he didn't care for Luger. And so he lowballed him with a contract offer that was 20% of what 20% uh, of what he was making when he left WCW just 3 years earlier. 
Yeah. And the reason that he did this is because he was like, you know, he'll never take this offer. And at least I can tell Sting I tried. And yeah. lo and behold, Luger takes the offer. Yep. So Luger wrestles at SummerSlam. And then eight days later, he wrestles at a house show in Sydney, Nova Scotia, and then immediately gets on a plane and flies out unbeknownst to anybody. Now, he had been up for a contract renewal at WWF and he had been telling them for such a long time, like he'd been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And so they kept trying to get him to sign the papers and he always had some sort of excuse as to why he, uh, you know, didn't want to sign the papers or couldn't sign the papers. Yeah. Um, and so he, nobody had any idea this was happening. So all of a sudden here we are WCW Monday Nitro at the mall of America, this big, huge, this big, huge, uh, premiere of the brand new WCW show Nitro, which is taking on, you know, uh, Monday night raw or raw's war at the time. And, uh, so here we have this big show from the mall of America and we have a match between sting and Ric Flair and who should walk out, but Lex freaking Luger (laughs) and people lost their mind. Because before there was the NWO, before there was Scott Hall showing up, before there was Kevin Nash showing up, we had the debut of Nitro, and to fire that first shot, a man who had literally just the night before wrestled on a WWF house show, shows up on live national television for the rival company. I mean, you want to talk about, you want to talk about a shot. I mean, that is a shot fired that nobody nobody saw coming i mean at least at least wwf had the knowledge that scott hall was leaving kevin nash was leaving they were accepting offers from wcw they lex luger had them snowed and to me this is a moment that uh is just the literal top of the chain when it comes to surprise debuts it is a moment that defines what is a surprise debut? What makes a surprise debut good is that it's a surprise to pretty much everyone. What makes a surprise debut important is that it is this cultural moment in time. I mean, when you look at that, that is that is a that is a picture of a bygone era of professional wrestling. When you look at him standing in like the concourse at the Mall of America while yeah. they're wrestling in the <laughs> middle of the ring there in the Mall of America. Uh, you know, there's just so many things about this that make it such an important moment. From the minute we talked about surprise debuts, I instantly knew this was going to be my number one. Yeah, I think that's one of those debuts. I think that like that like transcends wrestling because again, like you said, it's one of those things that nobody saw coming. Yeah, nobody could have even thought of or predicted because again, at that time, internet wasn't a huge thing yet. It had right. just been an idea, but it wasn't anything where there were leaks or anything. It was just when you got surprised, you were surprised. And that yeah. one, I think, like I said, was definitely the first shot. Probably one of the biggest shots to go taken at WWF to really start the war off by having yeah. Lex Luger, you know, debut. It's almost as bad as when Rick Rude was on the was on two different shows on the same night. Oh yeah, yeah. When he was in a taped raw and then a live nitro. Mm-hmm. And that was a, was a thing that nobody saw coming either. Cause that one was also like a holy crap. Like yeah. how, <laughs> how, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I yeah. think this was, I think this was one of those moments where people just looked at it and they're like, how is this even possible? 
How is this happening? Why is this happening? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, a, a very crucial and important moment in the history of the Monday Night Wars that I think really sort of, you know, this is this was the point where, okay, time to take the gloves off. Yeah, basically. Basically. All right. Let's hear it. All right. I'm going to pull you. I'm going to make you guess. Oh, boy. I'll give, right. give you one hint. And then I, I'm sure as I, I say this, you're going to know exactly who it is because I talk about it almost ad nauseum. Oh, no. August 9th, 1999. August 9th, 1999. Xbox? No. Uh, that, I almost put him on my list. <laughs> no, I'm talking about <laughs> my talking favorite about? debut of all time, which I think in my mind oh boy. Uh, trumps Luger in my mind. Oh, boy. And that is Chris Jericho's raw debut, mm. the oh. Millennium... The Millennium Man himself. Man. I should have I known that because we just watched that raw. <laughs> this one had to be my number one. When you talk about debuts and surprising or shocking debuts, this one for me always comes to mind. And it's still my favorite debut of, of all time. Still to this day. Uh, I probably watched his, his video over 100 times just because of how perfect it was. The countdown to me, the marketing idea was genius. You know, playing up with the whole... It's going to be 2000 next year, so they have this whole idea of the Millennium Clock countdown. I thought that was genius. Um, I thought, you know, this was before the internet was, again, a big thing. So nobody had any idea that Jericho was in Jump Ship. I think, yeah, there were some signs in the crowd, but I think those were plants. I don't think those were actual fans that knew Jericho was going to be there. Um, but, like, just everything worked. The countdown during the Rocks promo, the pyro the cheesy 90s logo of Jericho's name at display on the Tron. Just everything was perfect. If you didn't know who he was before his debut, the reaction from the crowd and the back and forth between The Rock made him a name to remember. I can still to this day recite every word to Jericho's debut promo because that's how many times I've watched it. I can honestly talk about his debut all day. I just don't know how his debut will ever be topped in my mind because it was just... From start to finish, a perfect debut to me. So I'll agree that that's a perfect debut. I mean, it really, it's everything a debut should be. Um, where I where I disagree is I don't think the crowd's signs were plants. I think people knew. I was under the impression that it was going to be Jericho. But I will say, for me, um, if I look at that debut... And I think it was if if people really did know it was coming, I think that made it even better. The fact oh, yeah. that there were Jericho crowd signs, but for me, I think the big surprise of the whole thing is not necessarily that Chris Jericho was debuting, but how and when he debuted. That they debuted oh, yeah. him during a rock promo, and then yeah. he interrupted the rock and he came out. But it was it was so great because uh, I mean. He did. He did all the WCW Chris Jericho greatest hits. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Monday Night Jericho, and you know the the whole nine yards. It was just, it was everything that Chris Jericho was in WCW, but somehow better because here it was in WWE. Because honestly, for the longest time, watching Nitro and uh, Raw, Jericho was like the bright spot of Nitro. 
for a oh, yeah. lot of weeks. Um, he was just Jericho underused was, and not seen as a main event player, even though he was a main event player. I mean, you think about the list of Jericho. We had yeah. that list years and years ago on Nitro. We yep. got, you know, the the list of the the list of moves that he knew, which was brilliant. Just genius. Like there was he was one of those guys where again, he was he was misused, underutilized, had so much talent on one finger than, you know, the rest of some of the talents on the roster. And they just weren't using him. So when he jumped ship to WWF, it was like such a big deal. You know, I just remember that silly silver bright jacket, the crazy like uh done up hair. Like it was just like just clean shaven, like baby face slash heel. He had the crowd uh, you know, in the bottom of his hands, had him cheering him and booing him at the same time. Like those two the Rock and Jericho both had that crowd wrapped around their fingers and they easily could sway between the Rock and Jericho. And Jericho, it was his first night. That's how big he was for his debut. Like they were cheering, go Jericho, go, or Rocky. They didn't know which side to choose. Yeah, it's um it, it's definitely uh it's definitely an important debut. Uh, because I think it really was like the start of something. It was the start of the downfall of WCW. Oh yeah. Because because it wasn't it wasn't just that a WCW star had left WCW because they weren't being used. It was that a WCW star had left WCW and then showed up on WWE in a way that so perfectly highlighted every reason for him leaving WCW. Yeah. Like it just highlighted everything about him that was great. And uh yeah, just um overall overall a great debut. A really a really solid debut um you know had he had he not had a debut that strong i don't know that we'd have ever seen the chris jericho that we saw i don't know what we'd be seeing now no um that i think that pretty debut, much set the stage for what we see now as jericho yeah it absolutely did so uh yeah a, a very um a, a very good pick and a very important pick yeah i think again i think without that debut and how that went down we would not have seen you know the y2j the list of jericho uh the best friends segment which is still one of my favorite segments to this day with him and owens just such great stuff from him and the fact that he's still going is just a testament to what he is as as a as a as a talent yeah absolutely well this is this is interesting so for those of you that are still with us and have made it through uh, this uh, little bit of a slightly longer episode than we normally do, um, but obviously a lot to talk about this week, huge week we're heading into, yeah. um, but for those that are still with us, you have witnessed history. We are on episode 16. 16. And episode 16 is the very first time that we have had two 100% completely different lists. Oh, you're absolutely right. Yes, it not is a history-making moment. Matching number. Nope, not nothing <laughs> at all. So uh, we we have truly hit the uh, opinion side of Opinion City as we yeah. have taken 100% <laughs> different opinions on this week's topic. Um, yep. So 
yeah so again this is going to be a huge week uh got a lot of great uh wrestling coming up leading into this weekend's huge all-in event uh from wembley stadium zero hour starts at 12 p.m eastern the pay-per-view itself starts at 1 p.m eastern uh we will yep. be we will be viewing the pay-per-view together uh from the great state of new jersey and the mancast network new jersey studios where we will be providing a live reaction show after uh all in is over so please uh check out our socials this week to see exactly how you can listen to that live reaction show um and speaking of listening to shows uh, we want to thank everybody for again listening to the opinion city podcast with myself and my co-host parmesan so if you like what you've just heard, we hope that you will uh, follow us on our socials at Opinion City Pod, and please recommend us to your friends and colleagues and leave us a review, uh, rate us, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out all the other episodes we have. Let us know your opinions on those topics, as well as this week's topic. Because, again, we'd love to hear from you. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, threads, any other social we could possibly think of, at Opinion City Pod. This has been a ManCast Network production. We'll see you guys next week.